0: All right guys, today we have a super special guest, we're joined by Naomi Liu, and Naomi is Director of Global Marketing Operations at EFI, a 3000 plus person tech company in the printing industry, and she's based in Vancouver, but she's been working remotely long before it was cool. She has 12 plus years of experience leading high performing global B2B demand gen teams, and before EFI she ran marketing ops at Sophos, a cybersecurity enterprise company. Naomi is also one of the founding members of the Mopro's uh, Slack community, which uh, we'll get into very shortly. It's one of the biggest Slack communities for marketing ops pros, and they recently launched a new website and a new platform. Uh, She's been interviewed by prominent podcasts for her efforts spearheading a large-scale enterprise migration to Marketo. David Lewis, the godfather of marketing ops podcast, says that Naomi is in his top 10 marketing ops people he's ever worked with. Naomi, thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule and uh, chatting with us today.
1: No, thanks. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: Cool. So we uh, we first started about getting you on the show and you started talking about um, a, a role that was opening up on your team, uh, specifically someone on your marketing ops team. So um, I want today to kind of dive into like the whole process, like A to Z, how you went from like figuring out what the role is, where you posted it, and then like how is the onboarding going so far and, and stuff like that. So why don't we start right at the top? Um, talk to us like about um, the role that you currently have at EFI and how that new headcount kind of popped up last year.
1: Yeah, so um, the headcount was actually a backfill for a role that I had a vacancy for, and um, the way that I like to structure my team, and I, I'm always a big advocate of this, is that, you know, I don't want to have a team of just marketing ops journalists that can everybody can just kind of do everything, and they're all really great at everything that they do, but there's not really any specialty on the team. Um, how I really like to structure my team is that at a baseline, everybody can do you know, execute a campaign end to end, but everybody has their own, they're a subject matter expert in their own arena, right? So I have a web developer, an email developer, a data operations person. And then what it was really missing was somebody who had a focus on analytics, right? Taking all of that together and just the ability to interface with our, um, our business partners and business partner leads and not just, you know, send them an email with a report where they look at it, and then put it away into you know a folder in their email inbox it's you know what does this mean how do you read it what are the actionable next steps you know what are some campaigns that are really working what are some ones that you should never do again things like that right because i find that it's not so much just the distribution of analytics it's what do you then do with that information mm-hmm. and so when i was looking to backfill this role i was really looking for somebody that had a strong analytical mind um and someone who would have the ability to interpret data and trends and be able to explain it to our business partners.
0: Very cool. I remember looking at the job posting when you you kind of posted it. You had um, kind of a variety of of skills in there. So like HTML skills, CRM. Um, you talked about like being a strategic thinker. Database came in there. You had Photoshop in there as well. Um, so talk to us about like how how you decided to like post that job posting on this specific job board or talk about that process. Like where where did you go to to hunt for candidates for the posting?
1: I think that, um, especially recently, there's been a big push on marketing operations as a whole as a career, which is great, right? And we did end up getting a lot of applicants from people who were interested. Um, in getting into the industry or who had been working at maybe a smaller company and were interested in, you know, the resource that what attracted to them was the resources and the teams and the tools that were available at EFI. Um, So the role was posted in, you know, the standard places, LinkedIn, job boards, our internal career pay, our EFI.com career page. And I worked with our internal recruiter to find um, suitable candidates. And I would say that over, you know, the course of my career, I've hired and trained countless people who have become great marketing operations and automation professionals in their own right. And the thing that they all have in common, there's three or four things that they all have in common, right? One is that they ask a lot of questions and think outside the box. Second is that they have the ability, and this is super important, to explain complex technical concepts to non-technical people in an easy-to-understand way, right? And also the ability to, of course, multitask and prioritize the workload because in the operations world, it's like sometimes the sky is falling daily and sometimes (laughs) you're juggling like six different projects at once. And especially at EFI, we have, you know, multiple business units, global company, different languages. It's you know, you sometimes feel like you're being pulled in many different directions and it's just the ability to keep all the balls in there, right?
2: These types of roles are super, super exciting. I think a number of our listeners think about, you know, applying to these types of positions themselves. You as a hiring manager, how do you, you know, look at the resume, sift through this and try to weed out like what you laid out very clearly here is the job requirement, somebody who can straddle a little bit of that human element, but also a little bit of the technical. How do you how do you look at those applications and, and kind of be able to make that first, like mm-hmm. that first decision?
1: So I, I feel like a lot of job postings are, in, are guidelines, right? Especially in marketing ops. There's obviously certain industries that, you know, there's definitely, like I, if someone was applying for a role and, you know, as a physician or a doctor, they better have all of those requirements, right? <laughs> yeah. But when it comes to something like, um, you know, demand gen, marketing ops, things like that, like, I feel like it's there is general it's definitely more of a guideline i definitely want somebody who you know can execute a campaign or has the ability to learn to execute a campaign end to end because that will be a huge part of their day to day job but you know maybe like 60 or 70% but the remaining 30 to 40% is where they become the subject matter expert in you know how they fit into our team as a whole right and so again, the role was, the posting was a guideline and I had people throw their hats in the ring who were, you know, right out of university, but had experience with their own site passion projects. And, mm. you know, they, I would say, especially in this day and age, people who are looking to work in digital marketing or operations, they tend to already know a lot of the baseline things that we're looking for. It's just the nature of growing up in this digital world. Right. So, Um, like I just, I've never had somebody apply who had never either didn't know what Photoshop was, had never, you know, built an email or had never tinkered with building their own website. That just wasn't Mm -hmm. as a baseline that just didn't like, I just never saw that. Right. So, um, a lot of it really, to be honest, was, is going to also be, um, team fit. I think a cultural aspect of it, especially when you're working in systems and things that can just be so. Things can be sometimes like really crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Having a really good team fit, it it means, it, it's a huge difference as well.
0: Do you think that the team fit is only something you can evaluate once you meet the person on, on video or you have a first round of interview with them? Or is that like something you take a stab at by just having a cursory look at their mm-hmm. resume?
1: Um, I think team fit, you have to, well, team fit culturally, you have to either meet them in person or you have to meet them over, I mean, in COVID times, you have to meet them over Zoom or, yeah. or whatnot, right? Like, you can't really get a sense of someone's personality over um, just over a resume, especially in, uh, in marketing ops. Like, you tend to have a variety of, different personality types right you have Mm -hmm. you know creative people who are also maybe introverts you also have extroverts who you know are very good at interfacing with internal business partners but then you also have people who are very technical and might you know have troubles with that right so it's just like how do you balance the different personalities and dynamics on a team and making sure that you know adding in another person is going to be I guess the best way for me to describe it is that I would prefer to have somebody who has maybe a little bit less experience, but is a great fit with the team Mm -hmm. as opposed to somebody who, you know, has exactly the experience I'm looking for, but might not be a great fit personality wise for the team because it makes a huge difference
2: okay so you've got your applicants your internal screener has already you know sent out and said here's the people we're going to meet you start making those first impressions what makes just that fantastic first impression for for you and you're thinking oh i can see the i can slot these people onto my team no problem like what are the attributes you think in the first impression you see yeah
1: i would say definitely somebody who is articulate and has the ability to explain complex, like I mentioned before, like technical issues or problems or how they problem solve something. Because oftentimes a lot of the interaction and the interfacing that we have with our business partners are with people who may not necessarily either want to get into the technical weeds or understand it necessarily. And they don't have to, like, that's not their job, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's, they should be responsible with, you know, how do they, the strategy and go to market and how do they generate more leads and content and, All of that stuff. Right. And so the ability for somebody to explain on a layman's term level to me um, how they, you know, work through a project at a previous company or how they would tackle a certain um, technical issue. I think that's very important because it just shows that they have kind of that like I'm looking for somebody that can kind of straddle that line and be that translator. Right.
0: Um, one thing that you you mentioned a little bit uh, about that interview, like I, I want to dive deeper into that that interview process itself. Like one one thing I love about HR as a as a practice is that it, like it's similar to marketing in a sense, right? Like you're generating uh, applicants that are kind of like leads, and then you have like your own recruiting funnel behind the scenes, right? So like a whole like hiring process, round one, round two, round three. So walk us through um, like what what can you share on on the interview process, the stages, and like the the type of questions. Mm-hmm that you had candidates go through
1: um so for myself like i i really want to get a sense of um if the person has the technical chops um and then also the cultural fit and like i mentioned we have multiple business units um, within the organization and you know a global presence and so what i also wanted was we would then if the person would move to the next round um, interview with somebody that is also in the marketing operations team and then a wide variety of people who um, they would also be supporting in the various business units also depending on you know the their availability and and whatnot but just to for them to be able to get a sense of you know what it would be like to work with this person on a day-to-day basis how are they going to handle time zones um language barriers things like that and so Um, Folks that we've supported for many years, um, I definitely value their opinion because at the end of the day, these are folks that this person is going to be supporting on a day-to-day basis. So they also need to have a really great working relationship, not just internally within ops, but um, also like external customer facing. And by customer facing, I mean our internal customers.
0: Cool. Any uh, take-home assignments or any kind of practical work mm-hmm. that you you did with candidates to to get a sense of assessing uh, some of the technical capabilities you mentioned?
1: Yeah. So I know that take-home assignments are common in some interviews, but this is not something that I've ever asked someone new to marketing ops or at least in a specialist role to do. It's yeah. I, you know, I think this topic is a little bit controversial for me. I you know like I I'm just not a fan of them. Right. I I can usually tell based on how they answer questions if they have any idea of what they're talking about. Um, plus, nobody should be asking people to, you know, code HTML by hand these days, right? Like I, you know, I already have both a web developer and an email developer on my team. So I didn't, I don't necessarily need someone who, you know, can open up a, a notepad or a TXT file and hand code HTML by hand, like nobody will do that anyways, right? And so, um, you know, I don't, that level of technical programming language, or even if I were to ask them, you know, develop an end-to-end, you um, tell me how you would, you know, how a lead progresses from net new to closed, with, you know, and a whole lead cycle, right? Like that's also going to be very custom to our mm-hmm. business model at EFI. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that I would necessarily think would be a value add. And that's my own personal opinion. Um, you know, I was definitely looking for someone who had a focus on analytics. A lot of my questions were around that. And a lot of it is just, the ability for them to be a sponge and learn and how Mm -hmm. much they would be able to um, take their area of expertise and own it and run with it.
2: When you mentioned analytics earlier on, I I kind of had a question pop in my head. I Mm -hmm. feel as though, you know, two things pop out in talking to you. One is, is how I feel like, uh, maybe I'm projecting, but I do feel like you really value curiosity. And also with the analytics side, like, I feel like there's some opinion there that you're looking for from from the analytics Mm -hmm. folks. Um, If I'm on the right vein, like, how do you test that type of thing in in an interview? And for folks who are preparing for these types of interviews, like, what what attributes really strike you as uh, positive?
1: I think a lot of the I think a lot of it is I mean you've hit the nail on the head right I think in terms of marketing ops it's there is definitely like how you succeed in this role is um you have to always be curious and ask why right i if you don't ask why and if you don't constantly try to break things down and and rebuild it better faster stronger it's going to be a problem right mm. i i think that you know, oftentimes people can get into this mindset of like, well, we've always done this this way for the last 10 years. Why don't we continue doing it this way? Are you doing it because you've always done it this way? Or is it because it's actually serving, you know, a business purpose that is um, going to be beneficial, right? And so I think when it comes to evaluating that sense of curiosity and it, a lot of it in the interview process, as I'm kind of thinking back on it, it's a lot of open-ended questions, right? And just letting them kind of talk and and explain how they go about problem-solving something, right? And a lot of it is like asking the questions as to how do they best get to the results that the person that they're supporting is wanting. Because a lot of times, especially I find when you're working with people who may not necessarily be as technical, they don't know what they don't know, right? So they're taking everything you say at face value. Yeah. So you almost have to sometimes guide them to really figure out what is it that you're wanting, right? Like, what is your end goal? Do you Mm -hmm. want someone to tell you that this campaign is working really well? Do you want someone to tell you that it's not? Do you want someone to tell you, you know, where you can improve or what you should be doing instead? And a lot of times, you know, we all have our own personal bias, right? And I'm a big proponent of making data driven decisions and, that's where I really wanted this person to focus.
0: Yeah, fascinating. Love it. John, I'll let you ask this one. You added this one, right? Yeah, I added this
2: one. Uh, just a general, general uh interest question and on your on your take, Naomi. Like for mm-hmm. new marketers thinking about ops, getting into, into this space, like how deep do you recommend getting into acquiring general technical skills? Like I'm thinking your JavaScript skills, front end web development, SQL. Uh, These are all, in my opinion, somewhat transferable, but like they they can be very ancillary to your day-to-day when you're, you know, deep in Marketo or Eloqua or Salesforce or whatever. Just, just curious on your, on your take on this. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I think it's going to depend on your career goals, right? Mm -hmm. Because not every company is going to have the same tech stack or the same requirements or the same, um, uh, the same resources. Right. And I, I do, I do think it's, it's never a bad thing to have, you know, those skills, But at the same time, like I said, it really depends on your career goals because the higher you get in marketing ops, The further away from the technology you're going to be, right? But it's always still going to be a good idea to have that baseline understanding. Um, However, I do think that something that is often overlooked is the soft skills that are needed Mm. in ops, right? So, like, you know, predicting what a business partner is wanting to do a few steps down the line, Um, you know, contract negotiations, vendor management, building those relationships, internal selling to the C suite. How do you, you know, increase your budget? Um, You know, as a baseline, of course, understanding technology and how things work together is always going to be crucial and it's always going to be beneficial to have an understanding of the tools that are out there, general CSS, HTML, JavaScript, um, SQL, it's always going to be beneficial, but I think that um, unless you are wanting to be a individual contributor on the development side for your entire career, it's always good to have kind of like both the hard and the soft.
2: Yeah. For, for, for folks who are like thinking of their career path. And like, one of the things we talk about in our show is whether, you know, making sure that you know what you want to do, right. Not everybody wants to be in leadership. Not everybody wants to be an individual contributor. So taking stock of that situation, like talk about what it is like to be a senior leader in a marketing operations, uh, in, in an operations role.
1: I think a lot of, um, it is, there's a lot of meetings, (laughs) definitely, right? And trying to understand where the business partners want to go, what their goals are for, you know, the quarter and for the year and trying to assess if the tech stack that we currently have in the organization is going to meet their goals. Also helping them with technology adoption. I think that's a huge thing. I have never met anybody who works in marketing ops, who's like, we 100% use 100% of the capability of every single piece of technology that we use right that just doesn't happen it's like you meet somebody that's like oh i we're using marketo we probably use 40 percent of the function functionality we pay for but we pay for all of it right and so um the technology adoption is a big one that i'm constantly working on especially Mm -hmm. when things constantly change right you want to make sure that you're bringing everybody like that the gap between the knowledge is doesn't get wider and wider right and you know as people are thinking about the campaigns that they're trying to run it's always a matter of like well have you thought about this you know we have the ability to do this you know and a lot of times it's I didn't know that we you know so for me that's a lot a big part of my job as well as mm-hmm. making sure that the team is supporting the business but then also that the business knows the things that they can do with the technology that we do have
2: fascinating position and I think like marketing ops leaders have so like so much value that they bring to the organization you've talked a lot about that translation of the technical into the into business into business I want to ask the opposite question I just asked is like I'm sure you manage senior individual contributors how can individual contributors who want to stay in that path you know uh, develop a long-term career plan that makes makes a lot of sense to help help leaders like you, uh, uh, you know, succeed, but also for themselves to continue to move up, move up and get, you know, Mm -hmm. career growth in their own respects.
1: Well, and this is why I like structuring my team with um, um, people who are subject matter experts in their own right. Right. Because, there's just so much that changes all the time. Like all of like you and I both know that there's, mm-hmm. there's just so much information out there and things change all the time. And it's, it's just impossible to keep on top of everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that having people who, you know, own the web piece or own the email piece or own the data piece, right? They are going to be the ones to stay on top of the, their area of expertise in their domain and then be able to bring that back to the or, to the, our team and educate the rest of the team on, hey, this is what's happening. And I often will get them to talk about it on our weekly um, uh, team calls and whatnot, right? So it's like they feel like, okay, I'm responsible for this. So I'm going to educate the rest of um, the team on this. And it's been very beneficial. And I feel like as they s- stay in the areas that they are interested in, um, you know, there's always development opportunities certifications there's always uh, classes and I'm always going to be supportive of them wanting to do that um, because it's just going to be beneficial for them but it's also going to help the organization as well so cool so
2: cool
0: super cool i love how like the the team structure comes in with the leadership position i think that's a fascinating mm-hmm. element uh, kind of along the lines there so um taking us back to like the hiring stuff so you um got a bunch of interviews going now uh you sent out an offer let's say you're um, happy to have a candidate so um next step is starting to think about onboarding plans uh or maybe in your case you you probably have set that set up already but um, what, what tips do you have for, um, marketers that are hiring, uh, fresh marketers or what tips do you have for like new marketers starting a fresh new gig? Um, uh, so yeah, walk mm-hmm. us through that a little bit.
1: Um, so I would say that of course, this is going to be unique to every business, but, and depending on your tech stack for us, we're a Marketo Salesforce shop. And, um, depending on if the person has Marketo experience or not, I, I would want to put them through, um, Uh, Marketo University. So they have Marketo core concepts, which is just a very entry beginning high level view of how to use Marketo. Um, And the way that they will do it and explain it is going to be much faster than for me to kind of take the time to do that because they have a comprehensive training plan. Um, You know, after that, we have six business units variety of other supporting business partners um, scheduling time with the new hire to have one-on-ones with all of them right more in depth about how they would be working with them and then of course just layering the information in a way that makes sense right because in your first week you're always going to have things like hr things paperwork learning about the company signing tons of documents nda's things like that and so you want to also leave room for them to just like absorb the information have time to digest it take it away and then think about it. So layering the information and training in a way that makes sense is super important. Um, And then also having other people on the team teach their areas of expertise to this individual so that it also helps to build that relationship, especially because we can't all be together right now. Mm. Um, I'm also really a big fan of um, using Big Yard videos for short training. So you know, sometimes if I'm doing something and I know that they will need to know how to do it or Um, may need to be able to refer to something in the future, instead of scheduling, you know, even a 15 minute meeting in the calendar, I'll just record what I'm doing and then send it to them for reference so they can look at it later.
2: So- I'm curious about your just your experience onboarding in in this silly little COVID area era. Mm-hmm. like it's it's challenging. I know've I've onboarded a couple of yeah. employees during this this season. it's not been it's not been actually as easy as I thought it would be. Um, I'm curious what your experience has been and what advice you'd have for folks on both sides, hiring managers and folks who are are starting a new position.
1: Um, I would say definitely be prepared that it's going to be much slower, <laughs> for sure, right? Um, and even having finding the time to make sure, make sure that the individual and the person is um, plugged in and tuned in and that they're not feeling like they are kind of just like left by themselves and left alone. Um, that's going to be really important. And just making sure that you're talking to them on a daily basis. Um, I would say for me, the hardest part about this has been Training the data piece, right? Because our data model is probably going to be the most complex when it comes to everything that the person would have to learn. Um, but I'm trying to layer it in week by week. Um, and it's woven throughout, you know, some of the projects that they're working on, but it's definitely heaviest at the end. And if it were in person, it would be something that I would be able to deliver, you know. W- full-time within a couple of days, right? And mm-hmm. just give them all this information. They would have a decent understanding of it and then continually, continually learn from it over the next weeks, months, quarter and the year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely been the most challenging right now because I'm not gonna make somebody and I don't want to sit on a Zoom for like eight <laughs> no, hours no. for a day, right? No, no, <laughs> so no, no, no. that's the biggest piece. So I'm just trying to use different ways to explain to them, um, how the data model works and that's going to be really important for them especially if they're on the analytics side right yeah cool thanks mm-hmm.
0: Nomi, how would you describe um, like someone that you've just hired on your team who you think is kind of doing an okay job in their first like 60, 90 days versus someone that you would describe as like really crushing their first role as a marketing ops specialist? Like what tips do you have for entry level marketers that are hitting their first marketing job or their second marketing job and they're like right at the start of it, maybe 60, 90 days? like what tips do you have for them to kind of like really um, set good Im- impressions or get the ball rolling in a good way?
1: Um, I would say a common theme among really great marketing ops people that I know is someone, and you had brought it up, Jonathan, is the curiosity piece, right? Someone who's always asking questions, how to do something better, how do you do it more efficiently, how do we make the tools work for us instead of, you know, us working to fit limitations of tools. Um, Someone who's always going to be suggesting new ways of approaching a problem. Um, I really value people who ask why we do something in a certain way because fresh eyes often can see things that can be missed. And that's gonna, like, I always value that. And I feel Mm -hmm. like if the more questions you ask, um, it shows me that you are trying to understand the issues at hand, and you're also trying to think of better ways to solve the same problem.
2: It's remarkable how how people I think are afraid of asking dumb questions. Right. And I think sometimes like you got to ask questions that even if you feel a little uncomfortable, you got to put yourself out there and ask the question because nine times out of 10, I find even if you ask something, you're like, oh, this is the dumbest question I've ever asked everybody else in the room is like, oh, thank God he asked that dumb question. <laughs> how, how as a leader do you facilitate asking, you know, a facilitated environment of asking all those questions of, of really nurturing that curiosity within your own team?
1: Um, I. I don't think i have to nurture it because everybody that i hire already is very curious yeah, yeah, <laughs>
2: right? yeah.
1: so it's um and, it, and it's great right because they're constantly asking questions it's um and sometimes it's it's kind of like the the you know you're, the parent driving the car and the kid in the back is asking why 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 <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of it, it's like that too and it, which is great right because then it asks it gets you to um think about yeah why why do we do that why do we need this do we really need two tools that do almost exactly the same thing and there's like 80 percent overlap or can we get away with one things like that right and it's not always and and the thing that I stress is that it's not always going to be campaign related it can also be process related it can be um, tool related it can be you know how we deliver messaging to our business partners right it's not Mm -hmm. always going to be directly you know related to demand gen or lead generation or things like that
0: in a big enterprise Marketo instance, like I've, I've seen a bit behind the scenes of uh, all of the, the monster that you've built uh, at EFI, like what, what access do you give um, new team members uh, in Marketo kind of right off the bat?
1: Um, so it's been, yeah, it's been about two years now since we implemented Marketo, but after doing um, the initial core concepts training, if the person hasn't come in with Marketo experience or if they do have Marketo experience, um, I would give them access to Sandbox for a week or so to kind of take a poke around um, while they're kind of just getting acclimatized to everything. And then I give them full admin access to production. Very cool.
0: Makes sense. Um, all right. I've got a couple of fun questions to kind of, uh, end on here. Um, I was curious to ask you, uh, what does your mom think that you do for a living?
1: Oh, she thinks I work for like thesis or something, <laughs> <laughs> right? you know, they don't understand. It's just like, um. And for people who might not be in Canada, it's like the I don't know, the Canadian version of what, FBI or CIA or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like, you constantly travel and you work with computers, but we have no idea what you do and it doesn't make any sense. And so um I just say I'm I work in IT for marketing. And yeah. that seems to make some kind of sense to her. It just it doesn't I don't think she understands what that means, but um it works.
2: <laughs> Do you get a lot of Wi-Fi questions? I get a lot of router questions. Hey, my router's not working. Do you gonna help me? And like, uh, yeah, what?
1: I've become kind of like, um, like IT help definitely for my yeah. for my parents, but it's more so around things like their phone or their iPad or or well, whatnot.
0: Yeah, definitely got to deal with that myself. Yeah, um, Naomi, you're involved in a bunch of stuff. You're leading a global team. You're running huge, uh, a huge mobs community, kind of mentoring a bunch of marketers along the way, myself included. How do you balance everything that you have going on and how do you stay happy, not just at work and with your career, but also in your personal life?
1: I would say lots and lots of lists. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm doing something that I love, right? It's an extension of things that I enjoy. I like to say that technology is my love language, right? And I get a lot of satisfaction using it to help people solve problems, both in my personal life and in business. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, happy to do it
0: very cool I like that technology is my love language <laughs> I'll uh, I'll end on this I was actually chatting with uh Mike Rizzo uh the Mopro's uh founder this morning and I asked him like if he could come up with any funny questions that I should ask you on the podcast and oh, he's no. actually the, the one who came up with the what does your mom think you do question between... oh yeah because
1: I've told him this before
0: <laughs> <laughs> he also said that we should put you on the spot and uh get you to tell us the story of how you met Mike and uh and Johnny at kind of the inception of, uh, of the MoBros community.
1: Well, I had met Johnny at uh, OpStars in 2019. It's all blurring. COVID. <laughs> <It's> all <laughs> 2019, I think it was. And I had met Johnny. Um, I was already a member of uh, the Mopros group, and we were trying to get together with Mike, but you know he was too cool for school and, <laughs> and no time for us. So I actually have, I've actually never met Mike in person. We've only ever met. Um, over zoom but i really liked what he was doing and i wanted to get involved and then he just was super excited about that and the rest is history so
0: i love it why don't you uh end off on just uh doing a quick plug on uh on uh, the community and anything you guys have going on there that you want to share uh, the floor yeah. yours.
1: yeah definitely so we um for those of you listening um, and you're interested in just mind sharing and networking with a group of very very smart and talented um marketing operations professionals there are about i think last i checked about 1500 plus of us um, head over to themopros.com and you can sign up for a membership to get access to our slack channel and to our community it's a very um it just i'm super proud of you know the the mind and the knowledge that everybody has been contributing the community wouldn't be a community without the people that make it up and You know, happy to have anybody who's interested in joining the industry and also looking to learn from others and um, provide their insight as well.
0: Love it. I'm a member of the community and a huge fan of it. I've met a ton of fascinating folks. Uh, I've learned a lot and uh, hired a few contractors from there uh, as well. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome, awesome community. So anyone who's kind of interested and in th- there's also an awesome hiring section too. Like there's, I think like 20 to 25 new job postings like every week that are posted uh, in the community. So awesome, exclusive access to, to some really cool jobs with the uh, cool company. So I applaud you for all the cool stuff you're, you're doing in that community. Um, super great stuff.
1: Yeah. We're, um, vendor and platform agnostic. So it's, you know, we don't align with one or another. So if you're using Salesforce, Marketo, Pardot, HubSpot, Eloqua, it's a- community for everybody
0: love it naomi thanks so much for your time and uh being on the show
1: no problem thanks for having me